Welcome to Boiling Point, the podcast to motivate ever-evolving entrepreneurs and forward-thinking movement pioneers. Our hosts, filmmaker Greg Hemmings and executive coach Dave Vale, are turning up the heat in the world's business communities. Our interviews with entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers are raising the temperature of inspiration. Live from the hottest studio in this quadrant of the universe, here are Dave and Greg. Dave, welcome back to The Boiling Point. Great so, to be here. Some really exciting news here. We're not boiling right now. No, we're actually, it's actually cold. My feet are actually cold. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to tell everybody what's happened here. Tim, our uh, incredible engineer, has upgraded his studio out of the Hemmings House uh, audio studio uh, area, which, of course, uh, it, it was so hot that it gave us the name of our podcast, The Bowling Point. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now we are actually in a basement area of, uh, of Tim's, uh, Tim's home studio, and there's concrete floor, and my feet are freezing, and this is awesome. Yes. It's keeping us awake. Yes. And, and really, we could talk for another 45 minutes to an hour without fainting. Exactly. Now, we're I not going to do that, though. No. <laughs> so who, so who, are we, who are we talking to first? Today yeah, is very exciting for me, Dave, because uh, we're going to be talking to uh, what I would consider uh, some, somewhat of a legend uh, in Atlantic Canada. It's Mickey McDonald. Right. And uh, <clears throat> Mickey's known for a lot of uh, incredible entrepreneurial success, uh, ranging from being a, a major uh, shareholder of Clearwater Seafood and, and founder, one of the founders, uh, owner of uh, Mills Brothers. And do you remember Downey's Communications back in the day? I that, don't. That predates uh, me. Predates you. Are you uh, predated by cell phones or no? <laughs> <laughs> well, back when cell phones were not car phones, when they evolved from the car phone to the cell phone. Oh, okay, okay. Um, I thought this was like a, a unique maritime company or something. So, it's no, a, no, okay, it, okay, help it, me. It out, was, it was, it was uh, mostly Nova Scotia, as far as as far as I remember. But they um, they dev- they pretty much brought cell phones to the consumer market, uh, uh, and then Bell, what is now Bell Alliant, bought them out years ago. So that's another one of Mickey's uh, uh, companies, uh, success stories. Um, and a, a range of other companies as well. One that is very exciting for me is the his Palookas um, uh, experience. So Palookas is a, a foundation, and I'm sure Mickey will explain to us a little better when we talk to him, um, that really gives back to the community through boxing. Oh, so M- Mickey is a true fighter. And I get to know Mickey because he uh, is an investor in our Cubicle to the Cage TV series. Okay. So he came in early and uh, really helped us by funding us to shoot the pilot, which was used to pitch to the broadcaster, mm-hmm. and then we got the show out on the road. So uh, Mickey is one of my partners, and uh, and uh, we were able to shoot in his Palooka's gym, which was oh, very cool. Very cool. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So a couple questions for yeah. you. Um, and you know, I think it's helpful for the listener to understand when you say he's he's done well what do you i mean let's just like give me give us an example of like i mean in terms of uh you know he's created a lot of wealth he's, he's created a lot of wealth so yeah he's, so yeah. and and you know and this just to give some people context i mean he's worth what hundreds of millions of dollars i don't know and i I'm, i'd be curious to ask him but looking in wikipedia and all nova scotia like there are there's references to the value of clearwater foods and right. other things so I, I all i know dave is uh uh he's a real down to earth approachable person yeah. and he's an inspiring guy to talk to and you'd never like typical maritime uh you would never 
know that uh, that he has uh, you know had such success in that way and, uh, yeah so there's that okay so that and I was gonna ask you about what kind of person he is so that helps me understand it with the kind of person he is but I mean the reason I ask where he is now in terms of his success and just trying to quantify it in some way is that I also understand he comes from like extremely humble beginnings yeah and uh, uh, that's that's something I'm excited to talk to him about right um, you know, I've only heard by legend that uh, you know that he's, you know, he, back in the day he used to work his way across the country looking for odd jobs and uh, really, possibly even literally spent some time on the streets, uh, and got into boxing early, and yeah. then he fought his way uh, uh, up to success and got his uh, his GED a little bit later on, and then turned into this this. Uh, Entrepreneurial uh, force, you know that uh, yeah. that truly has been a, a, a shaping influence in Nova Scotia and Atlantic Canada. So um, we're going to try to get him get him in, and uh, we've got our our new producer Matt Weber, who's been awesome helping yeah, us. Yeah, big this. shout out to Matt. Big shout out to Matt. And uh, by the looks of things, looking through the door here, he's got uh, Mickey on the line. Let's see if we can bring uh, bring Mickey in here. So, Mickey, uh, welcome to the Boiling Point podcast. And uh, uh, today, we're really curious about uh, about two things. One is love to hear your story because we uh, we know um, quite a bit about you today, and uh, it, it might be interesting to hear that a, a little bit from you about uh, what you're all about. But I'm really curious about hearing about your your climb to success and your your very humble beginnings and the adventure. Uh, to building your success from the ground up, like in the email you uh, you mentioned that you started from nothing, and I think the listeners of our podcast would be inspired to hear that story. And uh, and then secondarily, we want to talk a little bit about how you're giving back to the community through Palookas and uh, using boxing as a as a real positive um, uh, force in the community. So I'll just pass it over to you, Mickey. If you can tell us a little bit about your story, that'd be great. Yeah. Okay. Well, you I started out with nothing. I got most of it left. But uh, <laughs> joke, <yeah. laughs> but uh, no, it was uh, a humble be- beginnings. You know, you talk about humble beginnings. You know, like uh, how people start out from nowhere or from nothing. And uh, I, I always start off with my story about my mother uh, in from a, a real remote island off of Newfoundland, off of Fogo Islands, Indian Islands, where she grew up, uh, one of uh, a small family on this rock that was over in the middle of the ocean. And uh, they uh, took uh, correspondence exams in order to get her uh, grade 12, where, and then she went to St. John's, which was like a million miles away back in those days, uh, to get her uh, RNs at the Grace Hospital. And the struggle that she took to get from that small island to get to uh, St. John's and do this, and then she uh, probably the uh, biggest... Uh, mistake in her life was it probably was make, meeting my dad during the second world war in the army and uh, they got hooked up and uh, he brought her back to Halifax and uh, where she raised six children we were all born like just about a year apart from each other and my dad took uh, sick at a young age and um, he's right in his 30s took a heart attack and uh, my mother took care of uh, seven young children plus a sick husband and uh, she did it on a nurse's salary. And back then, you didn't uh, you didn't get uh, you know you didn't have the union, or you didn't have the type of wages that you do today. But my mother was very very creative and energized, and she was a great role model for all of my family. And when you take a look at what she had accomplished in her lifetime, the many people that she has touched, 
not just through her family, but through all the babies. She was a head nurse at the Halifax Infirmary uh, where she took care of all the sick babies. And uh, I remember times when she would walk, uh, literally walk to work from Fairview, which was about a, a eight mile trek from there to the hospital. And she'd walk in a snowstorm when the buses weren't running so she could get to work. And, uh, uh, she wanted to, she couldn't miss the time and she wanted to, you know, she needed to be, be there with the babies, right? And, uh, you know, she was a, a strong woman and, uh, you know, when she uh, accomplished so much, she used to work at night shifts so she could be home in the daytime with her babies, right? Hmm. And wow. uh, she was, I'll tell you something, she uh, she accomplishes a lot in, uh, in, uh, in her lifetime. And again, the role model she set for us, I mean, you can't, I can remember how tired she used to be uh when she used to go to work and she'd catch an, uh, the, the bus at 11 o'clock and uh, she'd say, I was like, I only sleep for five more minutes. And we used to walk her down to the bus stop and in the cold, cold nights and she'd catch a bus and go off to work. So again, you know, when I look at what she's done and accomplished and what and endured, uh, the stuff that I do is, is like, I, <laughs> I said, you know, we got we got a smooth ride here. Mm-hmm. So I left home when I was 16 and I went to Toronto and, uh, lived on the streets in Toronto up there and uh, I, you know, broke my mother's heart, I'm sure, but uh, I just had a calling and uh, that's what I did, man. I traveled around after that uh, for about five years and uh, I uh, went out to BC, worked in the mines. I did all, you know, you name it, I did it. Drove truck, drove heavy equipment, uh, whatever I could get a job at. And uh, I, when they asked me, can you do this? I said, oh yeah, I can do it. I just haven't done it yet, baby, but I can do it, right? <laughs> so, I, I remember getting jobs doing all kinds of crazy things. And I'd say, oh, yeah, I can do that. You know, yeah, that's right. Oh, my, yeah, I can do that. And I guess maybe it was my attitude, but they always gave me a job. And they, uh, when they seen I was a hard worker, they took the time to uh, to uh, show me and, and teach me how to do these things. And I, I was fumbling that. But uh, in those, those early days, I mean, a lot of people go to university and get all these degrees. But I think sometimes uh, the things you can learn on the street – uh, are far more valuable than what you can learn in a book. And that's what I credit my my uh, business success to. People, and that's one thing I will say too, is people always say you're successful when you've made money and you know, all your success. To me, success isn't money. Uh, success is me, my family and how I feel about myself and the things I do for the community because that makes me feel good and that makes me feel like to accomplish something, to be able to give back to others. And again, that's another lesson my mother and father taught me when we were young. I remember we used to buy that day-old bread, stale bread. And uh, one time my dad used bought a whole box of this, uh, and he got donuts and cakes and a whole bunch. He got a big score at the, at Ben's Bakery. He used to go down there and buy that stuff, right? And uh, I think Ben's always fun. Anyways, he... He took the box when we got home. He had, we had so much. He took it and he took half the stuff and he told us, one of our neighbors who was far worse off than we were, he got us to take it over to our neighbors and give it to them. And I thought, you know, that back then when we were so hungry and everything else, it was, you know, I, you know, it was a great example of, of sharing, right? And again, those things, I think, you know, they all play in your life on, uh, uh, as you grow up and uh, you, you know, the things you should do and you try to share with others and stuff like that. 
Mickey, that this is a this is an amazing story. I don't even want to. I don't even want to break in because I'm just kind of taking it all in. Um, so, so what's the I, for you? What's the lesson in all of this? Like, I mean, from from the humble beginnings and having a great role model. Like, what what is the lesson for others? Do you think? If you want something bad enough, you can find a way to do it, right? And you know, people think I've seen people take degrees and different things and like I'm saying uh, an accounting or whatever. And then they're, they hate the job, but they're scared to change it. And I think that you, sometimes education could be a, a hindrance in that way that you think this is what you have to do. If you take a certain uh, degree or uh, designation in university that you think you have to do that instead of saying, well, that's your basis. Right now I, I was, I took a mechanics course along the way there and um, I just used that for, you know, when I needed a job, I could always get a job as a mechanic or, and I started doing body work and I, I, uh, I did all kinds of, like, you, and I can't tell you the minute, any job that I could get, I did it and I did it for, you know, and I, and I could always come back to it. And, you know, the, um, the can do attitude, yeah. I think is what really, uh, separates people. You know, I went to the Halifax fire department. I applied for the Halifax fire department. And I wrote my uh, my GED, and uh, so I went to the Halifax Fire Department, and uh, I wrote the exam. But there was like uh, three or four hundred people wrote the exam to get in the fire department, and um, out of that, they, you know, they, they scaled, they you know took um, they you know uh, whittled it down to a certain amount, and then I uh, went, I got I made right down through it, and then. To, I did the physical and I was boxing. I started boxing. All of course, boxing goes with a lifestyle you're leading, right? Mm-hmm. So I was you know, always uh, boxing or street fighting. And then uh, when I went to the physical, I beat everybody out in the physical. And then I did the interviews and everything else. And out of all those people that when the Halifax Fire Department went through them, they did it. They uh, uh, rated you, you know, first, second, or third is a pick. And I was picked number one out of all those people wow. uh, with my, uh, you know, my, uh, you know, skills and stuff like that. And they were really impressed with the fact that I could work on cars, that I could drive heavy equipment, that I could do so many different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, they picked me number one out of uh, all those people. And I thought I was pretty impressed by that. So I was in the Halifax Fire Department for uh, 15 years. And uh, during that time, I, uh, I, I did, a, I, I started my own body shop. I had, uh, uh, Mickey's auto bikes. I always had this urge to do something. And, uh, actually, uh, I jumped ahead a little bit there when, uh, I come home from one of my trips away and I, uh, my brother-in-law and my brother, uh, started a company, Clearwater, uh, lobsters, Clearwater seafoods. And I picked up the, I actually picked up the first load of, uh, lobsters, me and my brother-in-law picked up the first load of lobsters and uh, we picked them up in New Brunswick and, and we put ice. We didn't know anything about lobsters. <laughs> so then yeah, it goes back to when you don't know anything, you're not afraid to try it. So we bought these lobsters, chocolate lobsters, and we bring them back to Nova Scotia and they're all, they're canners, right? They're small lobsters and they're all dying, right? So we thought, what? Well, you couldn't eat a lobster if it died. We didn't know. We thought that if a lobster died, you had to throw it away, right? Right. Somebody uh, said it was poison. So, Anyway, so we, these were all lobsters dying, a truckload of lobsters. So we had to cook them. So we, we didn't know we had, we had a small basement apartment 
with a four, four, four burner stove. And we got a pot that would fit the four, I got the four burners and we turned it on and we cooked lobsters all night long in my apartment. <laughs> and we cooked literally hundreds of pounds of lobster that night. And I think the smell is probably still in that apartment if you go back. <laughs> well, and, and you know, actually, for people that don't know about uh, Clearwater, I mean, you know, you're talking about kind of the, the humble beginnings. What, what's, what's the organization like now for those that wouldn't be familiar with it? Uh, Clearwater is the largest uh, shellfish exporter in the world, actually, you know, and uh, um, they do uh, they do a lot of sea. They have their own ships and everything else. It's uh, the company's probably uh, you know it's uh, I think it's around four hundred million dollars a year in sales and uh, growing. <laughs> and, and you and you were and so so like this is really interesting. So what you saw an opportunity in this, obviously. Yeah, well, it wasn't, my, it wasn't me as much as my brother and my brother-in-law that uh, were really, they were the hidden us up, right? They were, it was their company. I was just working there for them. Yeah. And I helped, like, I helped them get started. I had no, I never, I never thought it was kind of going to grow into anything, but I, I gave them a hand because they needed a driver, right, for the truck. So I used to drive from here to, uh, uh, down to Maine, New York, and, and delivering lobsters, picking lobsters up, and I drive them everywhere, right? And I was trying to help them out, so I drive all night long, and, and I didn't get a hotel room or anything. I slept in the front of the truck, and I, um, you know, you know, loaded the lobsters, be soaking, wringing wet, you know. But they didn't have any money, so you know, you uh, you did whatever you could to help them, and uh, that was quite an experience. Actually, I did it for about a year, and that's when I got in the fire department. I uh, left there and got in the fire department, and uh, actually, at Clearwater. Uh, Right now is owned. It's a it's a public traded company now, and I own uh, about twenty percent. And my brothers and brother in law they own about forty uh, percent, so twenty percent right. each. So we we have, together we own sixty percent of the company. Fantastic! That that is such an inspirational story, right in itself. Yeah, well, and, and what I, I mean, and it sounds like you you were in it to do the right thing, and then and the byproduct was you you got in something that really took off. Yeah, no, it really took off, and. I, I left the company. That's when I got the fire department. I bought in later on when it, when it went public and stuff like that. And uh, uh, they, like I said, they took the company to a successful uh, uh, where it is today. And uh, but again, like I said, we own three of us own it really uh, own controlling share of it right now. And it's uh, you know uh, my shares are are. Uh, and uh and w- one thing mickey uh, that dave uh, uh doesn't know is all these other incredible uh, companies that you're involved with in the miko group of companies um and maybe that'll be a good segue into what you're doing with uh, <clears throat> with with palookas and, and whatnot but maybe just give us a really quick recap of what what you've built outside of the clearwater world yeah Okay, well, after I left Claire when I got in the fire in the fire department, I started doing body work on the side. And um, one day it was a snowstorm, and uh, this story came on the radio back in uh, 1998. 1988 was, and I was driving. A, I had a plow truck, and I was plowing snow and fixing cars, and in the fire department. And the story came on about this technology called cell phones, and so. I'm listening to it and I'm thinking, I had a pager on me and the pager was buzzing, right? And I'm thinking, wow, a cell phone, a remote phone that you could use in different areas. I said, what, what a tool that could be. I could, I could be doing more things. I could not only be doing body shopping, 
I could be doing other things, right? I could have another, you know, I just, my mind started wandering, right? So then uh, that that was in the wintertime around February. And then in the summer, the cell phones were launched. So I tried to get a cell phone and um, they were like $3,500, right? And I said, wow, like that was a million dollars to me in those days, right? <laughs> so I, I found out about this guy that was selling them. He worked for Motorola and um, I called him up. And I, his name was uh, Lloyd. And I said, is there any way I can get a deal on one of these phones? Like, cause I knew him from school, right? And he goes, uh, well, I said, no, I said, the only people getting a deal on these phones are dealers. I said, yeah, what's it take to be a dealer? <laughs> and uh, so he said, well, I can throw an application. I said, okay, well, let's do it, right? So I became a dealer. And I did that so I could get I could get a phone. And <laughs> I, uh, I started. I had a car lot too at the time too. Right? I started a car lot. I had a car lot body shop. I started a leasing company, and I was in the fire department. And I was doing a couple other things. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, I started selling uh, cell phones out of my uh, car lot here. And um, then this guy who owned this company called Down East, he came in to see me, and he needed a truck. So I said, Yeah, okay. I had this old van. I sold him the van. And he was paying me off. Like he said, I can't get any credit anywhere, but I'll pay you off over payments. I'll give you, a, you know, cell phones and that thing. So he would give me cell phones to sell, right? So, and then he ran into trouble and he was going bankrupt. And uh, so he said, "Why don't you buy my business?" So I said, "Okay." I took a look at it, and the one thing he had in his business was a service. He was doing service for Motorola. And I said, "Well, what happened? How come you guys doing service for Motorola?" He said, "Well, it's Motorola doesn't want to do this anymore. They want to get out of it." And I thought, wow, what an opportunity. Gave me a niche, something that nobody else had with service. So I'm trying to tell you this story quickly so I can get through this. But the, um, I called Motorola and I said, look, I'll buy this guy. And he, this guy owed Motorola $80,000. Right? And it was on secured. So I called Motorola and I said, look, I said, I'll buy the business from the guy. I'll pay you that 80000 bucks, but I want to maintain the service center. And the guy said, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to shut the service center down. I said, well, and you just lost 80 grand because I'm not going to buy the business. <laughs> and the next day, the guy called me back from Motorola and said, listen, okay, well, maybe we could do something. And I said, okay. I said, I want to have, he said, I'll tell you what. He said, we will let you keep that business uh, service as long as you have a Motorola-trained technician on staff. And there's a Motorola-trained technician working for John, right, that this guy's buying the business from. So I said, yeah, okay. And I said, I can do that. So the guy sent me a letter saying I would have the service as long as I had a Motorola technician on staff. So when I got that letter, the first thing I did is the first week I called uh, Motorola up in Montreal and that's where the service center was. I said, look, I got I want a technician, send a guy up to get trained on as a technician there, get his uh, papers. And they said, yeah, no problem. So send a guy up. So I went up with another friend of mine, another guy that's working for me. And the two of us went up and I took the course and I got my technician's course, right? So I became a technician. That way Motorola could never ever take the <laughs> service component. From Brilliant. Me. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you know, that, that was uh, so one what, of the things so I did. What did, and what did down what did down east become like? So it, you know, you started by seeing an opportunity. What 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 event for the listeners that wouldn't know what 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 happened? Well, down east became one of the largest uh, cell phone dealers in uh, Canada. We had I had fifty five stores, and we were doing over a hundred million dollars in sales. And um, we were the largest. And I had stores in Nova Scotia, Newfoundland, and New Brunswick. And uh, Bell Alliant bought me out. Uh, back in 2004 and at the same time while I was doing that right while I was doing the cell phones um, 
there is an opportunity. Stentor used to be, which was all the phone companies joined together. They used to do the distribution of the cell phones, right, for, for the dealers. So I went after that business. I said, geez, maybe there's an opportunity here. And then, anyway, Stentor was breaking up. The phone companies got, you know, uh, Bell and uh, Telus got, uh, it was Telus and it was BC, Tel or whatever. They got in that argument, so they were breaking Stentor up. So I seen a small window of opportunity to jump in there and start the distribution. So I went to Motorola and I, I went to MT and T and I went and anyways, I started my own distribution up. And the guy from uh, uh, the president of MT and T here called me up and said, Mickey, he said, look, because they were doing distribution, right? And he goes, look, you're better at this than us. He says, why don't we partner on this? And I said, absolutely, I'll do that. So we became uh, 50 partners in this company called the AMP. And that company was doing the distribution of all the cell phones. Any cell phone that was sold on the Alliant Network in Atlantic Canada was went through my warehouse. So we grew that business to over $100 million as well. So I mean, it was, well. <laughs> Mickey, you are, you, you, you've got the secret to $100 million companies. I... Uh... I, 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 I admire this and I'm inspired by it. Now, uh, we're just uh, uh, conscious of time. The the other major inspiration that I have coming from you, making getting getting to know you over the last few years, is your uh, undying commitment to your community. And it's uh, uh, we were looking at the website and uh, it was pointed out a really cool uh, Muhammad Ali quote uh, talking about service to others is the rent you pay for your room here on earth it's probably a quote that you asked to put on the website um, can you just kind of wrap this up because so many entrepreneurs and so many uh, business people um, build themselves to a point and they've got a choice they can either you know uh, continue to use uh, th- their money for their own good or they can pour it back into investing in the community or investing in other other companies and uh, I think it's clear what you do with your investments uh, in the community but I- I'd like I'd like to hear more about your your motivation there and l- what you're doing with Palookas and all that sort of thing yeah well you know growing up on the street and stuff like that there's you you never make it anywhere in life unless people help you, right? And people have you know been good to me through my life when I was on the streets in Toronto, when I was on the streets in BC, and you met so many nice people. And I thought when I first sold down east, I said, well, you know, I sold for quite a bit of money. And I said, you know, it'd be nice to try to say thank you to all these people that had I had touched through my career. And uh, so I gave a million dollars to the hospital in, in uh, Halifax and I gave a million dollars to the hospital in Newfoundland. So, um, and that was to help the kids, right? And my mother would always say, you know, and it was contributed to my mother as well because she used to always tell us like, you got to help the kids. The kids are the future, right? The kids are really uh, where you can make a difference, you know? You know? And so I went to, um, well, of course it was, because my mother, she was the head nurse of the primary nursery here in Halifax, so I, I gave a million dollars there. And where she come from, the Grace Hospital in Newfoundland, I gave a million dollars there. So it was, again, and, um, thanks to the people. And, again, a tribute to my mother and for all her hard work and dedication to her children and, their, and uh, teaching us their family values that uh, really meant a lot to me. And we did a, a few more things for her uh, along the way with um, uh, there's a peer... Uh, uh, down in Halifax here, there's a peer. Actually, I can't remember. It's just I know what it is, but I just can't think. Peer. Peer. Uh, oh, peer twenty one. Peer twenty one. Yeah, we did a we did a thing there for my mother. A tribute to her. There's a big stone out there with a number of other Canadians out there that uh, 
uh, talk about her. And then we did uh, the Bella Rose Center. And, uh, and we did a number of things for my mother to uh, in memory of her and, and, and again to thank the community for uh, uh, helping and uh, being there for people. You know, the, the one thing I will say is that, you know, the money that I give is nothing is nothing compared to the hard work and dedication of all the volunteers out there, right? I mean, these volunteers, I give money. I work for it. I've been very fortunate to be able to make some money. But these people are given hours out of their life. They're given their life that you can't make that back. You know what I mean? Once, mm-hmm. that, once that time in their life is gone, then you can't get it back. So I, you know, I make a, a, a thank you, and I try to, you know, um, People, I get so many volunteers come and see me and stuff like that, and I really get a lot of time because uh, these are, as I said, they they are contributing the true energy to make uh, help other people, and that's uh, their lives, right? Mm. Oh, this is great, and uh, um, I guess just one last uh, little bit is your passion for boxing, and uh, you know that that incredible gym that I stepped into the first time I met you. Uh, you know, you're a boxer yourself. You you sit on the box, on the boxing commission. Uh, making my right by saying you're the the boxing commissioner of Nova Scotia. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm the chair of the boxing commission. <clears throat> you know, I'll say one thing, boxing. This is what I used to always always tell people. I said I I fought in the street, I fought in the ring, and I fought in business, and uh, and I fought hard in every one of them. The thing is, when I was uh, in of course, growing up when I was a kid, you know, you go through your tough place and you go through life. And uh, I just, I learned at a very young age not to back up. And, uh, you know, I fought where there's no weight classes, where there's no referees and there's no judges and there's nobody to stop it if somebody gets hurt. And, you know, I did okay. I, I survived that. And then I got, I thought I'd, uh, the boxing, I, I wanted to get in the ring and try it. So I did that. And I did that. I had a few fights in there. And then, I, I never wanted to be a professional boxer or anything like that. My, it was a fun thing to do, something I wanted to do, I guess, challenge yourself. But I knew that I wanted to be in business and run a business. And when growing through boxing and stuff like that, you know, a lot of these boxers, they're not, it's a poor man's sport, right? Boxing is a poor man's sport. And one thing I find, and that's why I stay as a chair of the Boxing Commission that there is because it grounds you, right? The people, the real people, the people that are out there, um, doing the the grunt work that are doing the laborists, uh, you know, construction. And, and those are the, the personalities. A lot of these are the personalities that go to boxing and stuff like these are the people that are uh, struggling for a living every day. And, you know, that's a, uh, it, it's, I like being there because of that. It keeps me balanced. And, uh, cause it, you get in, in living in a world where you're, uh, where you've made some money and wealth, you can get pretty uh, caught up in the hierarchy of, of that, you know, and you, you get away from the real world and, and uh, it's good to keep grounded. So you don't forget where you came from. And again, that's probably one of the other reasons why I, I try to continue to give back. Cause I remember where I come from. And mm-hmm. uh, a, a lot of these people forget and they don't want to go back there and they, they want to ignore it. They want to pretend it never happened or, mm-hmm. and they keep their sh- children shelter from it. And that's one thing I try to keep my children exposed to. And uh, I'm very fortunate because they're all hard workers and, and I, I talk to them all the time. And, uh, you know, I think you got to keep them grounded. And, um, it's, uh, I think that's been one of the biggest things in my life is to make sure that I don't forget. And, uh, 
keep complacent. Well, it's clear. And you know what? I mean, here's a big takeaway for me, Mickey, is that uh, you're really grounding me. And I'm just thinking, what an inspiring story. And, you know, I just, it's really, what's what's so cool is just to hear the humility, you know, and, and uh, I really, I hope, uh, I hope a lot of people listen to this and um, I imagine your story is out there, but this is the first time I've been exposed to it. And I really want to thank you for, for sharing because um, there's, there's lots of wisdom in there. And I just love how you kind of weave boxing into how you, you know, success in business. And, and, uh, and the other thing is, you know, having, you know, just your having what a fabulous mother you had. That's un- unbelievable. Thanks so much, Mickey. Yeah. Th- th- thanks, Mickey. And also Mickey, is there any, uh, any last bit of contact that uh, our listeners could uh, check in maybe to support some of the initiatives that you're supporting? Uh, any websites, any, uh, any, uh, social media things that our listeners should listen to, you know, to log into, to see what you're up to. Uh, we have we have a website. It's um, uh, Pluka's website where we have our charity foundation. I started a charity foundation there. Um, it was about a year ago now. I, you know, we, we we could talk a little bit about the boxing, the ring, the, the gym I set up. Um, the gym I set up was for the kids, and it was such a nice gym that we attracted all the professional fighters who sort of scared the kids off, and uh, so I. I uh, at the end of it, it was just like all full of professional boxers. And I said, no, it's not what I meant, intended this place to be. I wanted it for the kids to help the kids at risk. So I closed it up and sold the building. And I took a million dollars and I put it into a foundation called Plucas Foundation, where we help uh, in, and support uh, uh, programs with for kids at risk. And that's what we're continuing to do. I continue to fund it. Uh, every year I put, you know, money into it and I'm going to continue it. And, and, uh, in part of my, uh, um, succession planning, my, uh, my will and everything else, I'm, I'm putting a large amount of money will continuously go into Plucas to support it through the years. And so we'll continue to give to, uh, the kids in the community and kids at risk. And we do, um, a great percentage of it here in Halifax, but we also do, uh, give away a certain percentage goes to across Canada and into the world, right? If there's you know, certain things that are happening out throughout the world, we try to contribute to. So it's a, it's a 100% uh, not-for-profit. It's totally charity, and we have a board. And I have my children on the board, To You know, they vet a lot of these um, requests we get, and, and it exposes them to the needs that are out there, right? And uh, which is very important because they have to see firsthand the needs that are out there, the people that uh, are not as very not as lucky as they were and fortunate that uh, they had a dad that worked hard for them. But uh, so they've continued to work and in, in, uh, hopefully uh, carry on that uh, tradition of giving back. Oh, man, this is great. Mickey, thank you for your time. It's uh, it's a pleasure to talk to talk with you again and uh, really excited to share this interview with, uh, with our listeners. Well, yeah, no problem at all. I, mean, I don't know if anybody wants to listen to it, but I mean, thanks very much for taking the time to listen to me, and uh, <laughs> hopefully, talk again soon. And yeah, next yeah. next time I'm in Halifax, I have to buy a couple of bottles of wine from the wine shop because uh, it's know, one it's one of my favorite little spots to stop. <laughs> <laughs> I'm open. I'm open. I'm open. I can uh, when I get to Halifax, I can drop you, drop in, and see you at some point. I'd love to meet you face to face. Thanks, Mickey. Take care, Mickey. Thanks, guys. Bye. Thank you. Bye. That was awesome. (laughs) What a guy! (laughs) Incredible. What do you think? Unbelievable. So, any takeaways? 
<laughs> yeah. Um, oh, a million, start? Besides a million. I mean, the, the challenge is, you know, we're trying to condense this in, you know, in, to, to make this listenable, you know, to the, an audience. And yet, how do you how do you get someone to shorten this amazing story? And I bet you, and you know what? We only know the, the tip of the iceberg, I'm guessing. But what I thought was cool is how he's so honest he's totally humble and i just love how he goes for it and the guy like he sees an opportunity and i think my sense is the average person looks at that opportunity and goes um you know wow that's kind of a neat opportunity but i think he he looks at the opportunity and goes you know how do i leverage this like clearly i mean and like the the, the amount of I mean, and, and I like how he, he states what success is. It's not about the amount of money he had. And here's a guy who's made a lot of money, but it's, you know, how you're contributing. Oh, so, yeah. I mean, that's, I mean, unbelievable. And the, the quote that I, uh, I wrote down that he said was, when you don't know anything, you're not afraid to try. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's awesome. That's, yeah. that's what being an entrepreneur and being an artist and being a creative person is all about is taking those risks. Yeah. And uh, I think the last thing is just, I'm so inspired by how much he gives back. Yeah. And as I grow Hemming's house... That's clearly the, the model I want to follow. I want to build much wealth and success so I can reinvest it. Yeah. And I, I, you're the same way, Dave. And, Absolutely. Uh, and I think that's something, you know, it's all across the world, that, that spirit. But Atlantic Canada, I think, really has it. Absolutely. And one last takeaway for me is the family. <clears throat> you know, much respect to his mother, but also he's, he's created this iconic business, family business that is probably not going to fall into that trap of second, third generation collapse because of the strong value of passing it down to the kids and making sure they understand where it came from. Yeah. I think that's a really cool yeah, takeaway too. Yeah, no, and he, he's clearly a teacher, isn't he? Yeah. I just, at the heart of who he is. And, um, and just so listeners know, Paluka, how, do they, how is that spelt? P-A-L-O-O-K-A-S. <laughs> I'm going to look up the Matt. Matt? Our producer Matt's going through the window and he's putting his thumbs up. So I actually spelt Palooka's right. Good. And it's not there anymore, the, the, the big gym on Garden Street. No, but but I got to tell you, it was the coolest place I've ever been. Really? It was probably one of the... Uh, but if people want to learn about this, the Charitable Foundation, yeah. they can just Google Palooka's, I'm assuming. Just yeah, just check out uh, check it. And in the show notes, of course, we'll uh, we'll put links to it. Absolutely. This is great, Dave. Awesome, buddy. Another, another good boiling point uh, has been uh, reached. Thanks for checking out this episode of Boiling Point. Remember to rate and subscribe to us on iTunes and follow us on Twitter at Boiling Point Pod. To see more from Dave Vale, check out leadershipunleashed.ca or visioncoachinginc.com and on Twitter at Dave underscore Vale. And to catch up with Greg, visit Hemmingshouse.com and at Greg Hemmings on Twitter. Thanks for listening and remember, keep that pot boiling. Hi, this is Candace Sampson, the voice behind What She Said. My show is your destination for stories that not only entertain, but also educate and empower. Every week, I spotlight strong female voices from across Canada, women who are changing the narrative and driving change. Don't miss out on these inspiring episodes. Subscribe on Apple, Spotify, and Amazon Music, or head over to whatshesaidtalk.com. What She Said can also be heard on BlastTheRadio.com, Mondays at 5 p.m. and Wednesdays at 7 p.m. That's BlastTheRadio.com. It's time to dive into the stories that truly matter.